wonderful people. Welcome back to another delicious episode of Cosmic Soup. So glad to have you on board. And today, my friends, we are finally going to deliver on what we've been promising for the last few months. Yes, it's finally here. The first ever fabled, long-awaited, almost legendary mailbag episode. That's right. Today, Cynthia, Sean, and I are going to answer the burning questions that you, the listeners, submitted to our now famous email, CosmicSoup at 3rd3rd.com. I'm super excited to finally bring you the first of what will no doubt be many of these listener-driven episodes. So grab yourself a delicious beverage and let's get this going. Well, hello, Cynthia. Hello, Sean. It's been so long since we've all been in the same room together. I was starting to feel like we weren't even on the same planet anymore. Well, no, we are because I can tell that you don't have a haircut and you haven't <laughs> had one in a while because I can I see your beautiful mug. Luckily for the listeners, they don't have to look at this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's been, um, well, sadly for me, my last... My last hair appointment was January. What? So, wow. Okay. So, so the listeners, see, can't, they can't see, but right now she has the most awesome dreads. I've never seen oh, amazing dreads, dreads on her. Yeah. She's just, it's, it's bizarre. Actually, I was wearing a flannel shirt the other day and Pat told me I look like Kurt Cobain. <laughs> well, we are in Seattle. So yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's pre or post. I would be concerned about that. So. <laughs> well, anyhow, so <laughs> it's finally here, guys. It's finally time. We've been talking about doing this for so long. It's the mailbag episode. I'm so excited. I'm really, yeah. really, really excited to finally get to answer those questions. And uh, we've got quite a few of them that piled up. And so we're not going to be able to get to every question today, but I promise. All of you out there, if you send in those questions, and we'll give you the address at the end of the show, at some point we will get to them. And today is round one of the mailbag. So how this is going to work is some of you. <laughs> we got Sean on the sound effects today. Good job, you Sean. You said round one. That's a, <laughs> I did say round one. I'm just trying to help you. So. I'm going to read these questions, and then Sean and Cynthia are going to answer them to the best of their ability, but take my word for it. They both know what they're talking about. Are you ready to do this, guys? Amen. I'm ready. All right, so first question. This one's for you, Cynthia. I work at a community in Southern California, and for a while, due to COVID-19, we weren't able to give tours. I'm wondering what you're hearing and seeing in the market with independent living customers and their sentiments on community living during this COVID-19 time. Well, um, okay. So what I'm hearing in the market overall, it, different communities, obviously in different states are in varying stages of being able to do tours or um, host tours. Certainly no events have been happening. And we just actually have in fresh data from our first COVID-19 marketing program. And um, we quickly developed some web seminars and we call them web seminars. So as to not confuse some of the leads or people who have never gone to a webinar, which proved to be correct because um, in listening to the phone calls, for RSVPing to attend the web seminar, some of the leads would 
instead of registering online for something that's web-based, they would call in and um, the sales team was using Zoom training as part of their relationship building exercise, which was awesome. And so that really worked. The, what was so interesting to me is we've been experimenting with different web seminar topics. So the first one was um, five tips of living, five financial tips for living in a life plan community. The second one was design your life. And it was a life coach talking about how right sizing can really change your life. And then the third one it, we're testing is about mixology and cooking class. So what we're really testing there is, you know, highly qualified. I want to know the finances, um, lifestyle. I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. I'm trying to figure it out. And then the third one is um, sheer entertainment, drinks and cocktails. What is fascinating to me is that, you know, whereas we would get maybe 50, 100 people to attend a live um, event, what we're getting is about half of that. But what I'm noticing is that the leads who are coming through are really qualified. They're people who are really, really thinking seriously about moving. So that's that's been very encouraging to me. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know if what was going to happen if if what the sentiment of the market is. And so um the web seminars have definitely proven to be successful. People are looking for information. I'm hearing on the phones when we listen to phone calls, leads are asking questions like you know, do I have to wear a mask in my apartment or the community? Or they have so many questions about around COVID-19, what can I and can I do? How do I get to eat? Um, there's just a whole bunch of new questions that I think communities could be answering right now. So I guess in a nutshell, to sum it up, I'm very encouraged. Um, I'm also hearing this across the market with other colleagues, is that people are interested in moving they are thinking about it seriously still. At the same time, I am hearing about some cancellations for pre-leasing contracts or <clears throat> moving in. Some people are, are uncertain, but I think that's just how it's going to be because everybody's different and everybody has a different attitude about how they're going to navigate with coronavirus. Okay, awesome. Uh, some good answers there. Definitely some good food for thought. See what I did there? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. he, it is he was the king of the dad joke, but oh. I, I won on that one. <laughs> All right. the king of the bad jokes. Oh, you, oh. that's okay. Kidding. I have the power of the editing button. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, that Sean. So true. Well, this next one is for you. Are you ready for this? I am very ready. Bring it on, brother. All right, Sean. So, this question is for you. I am a director of dining at a 250 person CCRC. Our kitchen equipment is really bad to the point that it's hindering my ability to even keep good staff on. I've pointed this out to my upper management, but they don't seem to understand the situation. What can I do? Well, one word, spreadsheet. Actually, I'll give it two words, Excel spreadsheet. What I mean by that is data. Every, most CEOs, most CFOs, Everybody's driven by data, meaning that the, that equipment that's in the kitchen that is old uh, is consuming so much energy that I don't think most people realize what, what the expense is to a community. For instance, a 
dishwasher that's 20 years old, 25 years old. Um, we did a study at one community and it was actually saving $1,500 a month in electricity and around $800 to $1,000 in water. And that's just for one piece of equipment. Then you go to all of the gas regulated pieces of equipment in the kitchen, the stoves, the grills, um, things like that, steamers that are run off the gas. Um, those now have, and just in the past six or eight years, they have microchips now that are in, and they sense um, when, they, when the thermocouple should turn on, turn off. I mean, we could get all technical. Um, but if you look at the equipment that's new, you can actually get the data on that on any, uh, pretty much any website out there, or you can contact um, your local um, vendor that'll come out and, and give you quotes on it. Um, and you can see that probably the average piece of equipment in a kitchen is you could probably save a, a couple hundred a month off of each one. I mean, it's that dramatic. And just the new metals that they have too that keep the heat, con uh, that are conductive to it, um, the different kinds of insulation they have now for steamers. It's just amazing. It's, it's finally uh, the 21st century hit kitchen equipment. And it, your, your energy costs are, are probably 20, 25% less if you get in all new equipment. When I did a study for the dish machine, which was a year ago, it literally paid for itself in 2.5 years. And then after that, it's just money on the bank. That was just for one piece of equipment. So the Excel spreadsheet, what I would encourage is that you go through that. I mean, you can obviously call the culinary coach. I'll come out and help you with it. But um, you list all your equipment, what it is now, and then what the new equipment would be and the savings on that. And then you go in front of the CFO, which I do all the time. And it's, it's actually kind of fun because they, at first they're like, what, you want me to spend this much on the equipment? And I always come in with, well, first, before we go any further, we're going to talk about the water bill and the electrical bill and the chemical bill. Chemicals can run anywhere from 600 to 1500 a month just for chemicals for your old school dish machine. The new dish machines do not need as much chemical or they don't even need the chemical. They have a high temp uh, uh, a process now that they, they do through rinsing. But anyway, so you walk in, you say, hey, you know, here's what we're spending on monthly on chemicals and electricity and our water bill. And here's what it could look like if we use this equipment. It does not take long for the CFO or anybody with a, with a calculator to add that up super quick. It'll pay for itself in just a few years. Yeah, and if you don't if you don't mind me adding to that, also, if you've got, for instance, refrigeration like reach ins are notorious for going out. If you're losing product or having product, um, you know, become in that questionable zone because of equipment failure, and you fixed it and fixed it and fixed it and fixed it at that Mike, point. Mike, that is an excellent. I am so glad you brought that up because over my career and your career as well, and Cynthia, we're all from the restaurant. Um, how many, how much money has been, or how much food has been thrown out because a walk-in goes down, a freezer goes down. I mean, it's in the tens of thousands at least. So and then, yeah, there's that if you remember well. that last place that we were at, um, remember that flat top that we had, we had, uh, planned on searing everything up on that flat top. And then that oh, flat top just yeah. wouldn't heat to temp. It got mm -hmm. to temp, but as soon as you put something on it, it wouldn't maintain it. 
So you're talking also about, you know, loss of production. So really mm -hmm. it's taking food a look at the equipment well. you have. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Bad food quality, well, you know, return steamer, yeah. food. Yeah. The steamers, I mean, I, I've been in so many kitchens where the steamers are so old, they, they don't work properly. Meaning you can put uh, beans in and it's supposed to be al dente bean after three minutes, but the next day you do it, it, it overcooks it tremendously because there's no, it's all the sensors are completely off. Um, so it is definitely the, the equipment, think of equipment, think of um, a carpenter, a finished carpenter, and he wants to make a beautiful wood table and you give him a hammer and a screwdriver and you say, make me this beautiful table. He doesn't get a lathe machine. He doesn't get a skill saw. He doesn't get a finished nailer. He doesn't get varnish. He doesn't get any of the tools he needs, but you're expecting this beautiful table. It's like, well, you, you, you have to have those tools. And in a kitchen, broilers that don't work don't sear the food, and then the food becomes soggy and gross. I mean, we can go on and on how it is so important to have proper equipment in a kitchen. It's just like any other trade. So what I'm getting out of you is if I'm the director of dining, I need to take scope of all the equipment I have, how it's working and what it costs to run it. So get involved with the appropriate tracking measures, right? Uh, put together a proposal for what new ones would cost and then the cost involved with those as well as well as keeping track of all the failures that happen as kind of a log of what happened due to the failure. Well, I, yeah. And part of what I do, I love, I'm a honey badger when it comes to saving money. And I, I help folks get in touch with the right people that for instance, the city will give you um, what actually, what you're actually uh, using in your water per building. If you've got different outlets and also, there are companies, if you have a really good sales rep, um, all my sales reps will actually take that old piece of equipment and they'll go back and do a study on it for free. It doesn't cost you anything. And they'll tell you, if you use this piece of equipment, it's going to cost you this much electricity, how much are your ohms, how much is your, you know, your electricity in your state, actually in your county, and they'll literally tell you almost to the penny what it's costing to run that machine. It's just amazing. But awesome. yeah, so do the homework and uh, and then present finances. And then once and they then, see that, then it's you know, then it makes sense. You yeah. Know? And, and if you have more too. questions, then you can uh, get a hold of Sean and culinary mm -hmm. coach, and he'll walk you through those proper steps. You know, I want to say this one quick thing because it, it's it. I don't say it enough. That it's uh, one of the communities I was in. We replaced the equipment, and I made uh, the very first day with because they had in one day all the equipment was gone and new equipment came in, and I made some hors d'oeuvres, some deep fried, some grilled uh, products, grilled vegetables, and I served it to our residents uh, dining committee. They literally said, "What catering company did this come from?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And they go, "This didn't come from the kitchen. We never get food that's cooked like this." Now, it was the same recipes. It was their recipe. I mean, I hadn't changed the recipes yet. But that is that is how different a piece of equipment can make. You don't have a deep fryer that doesn't filter properly, and so everything tastes like what just got deep fried two days ago. And even if you change the oil, it doesn't matter. It just There's so much to it. that. But anyway, I, just, I think that's just so cool that you literally can tell instantly 
wow, they got new equipment. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, good luck on your convincing uh, the powers that be that you need some new equipment, my friend, who wishes to remain anonymous. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cynthia, back to you on this one. My community has had a digital marketing campaign running for a year, and it just seems like we're not getting that many leads. What should I do? The company we work with keeps reporting a high number each month, but I don't see them on my end. Oh, um, you know, surprisingly, this happens more than you'd like to believe. It's fairly common. And I guess what you would want to do first is reach out to your your partner, you know, the your vendor who's helping you with digital marketing and communicate, maybe share, share what you're seeing on your end and then ask them to share what they're seeing on their end. I, I've actually seen cases where web forms are not reaching the community, but they are getting into the, you know, database on the back end. And so like that could be something that's going wrong. Another thing that could be going wrong is, um, you know, just simply miss counting the leads that, I mean, the uh, newspapers will tend to do this, you know, and I'm not saying that all newspapers are like this, but I can't tell you also how many times we've been running newspaper campaigns and we'll have the newspaper tell us, oh, we generated exa exa leads and we'll, and we're counting on our end and we know that we're right. And we'll have to say, no, actually it didn't generate that many leads. And so it's pretty black and white when you have a lead form that's working and there's a database on the back end. Um, and then I would just say, you know, compare and then figure out what the problems are. And then if you feel like you're having to do this a lot, maybe explore other digital partners. Is that too hardcore? <laughs> well, no, sometimes the truth hurts, you know, and, but it's, I believe that you like to use Cynthia. I mean, I've heard this out of you tons of times, but you're a fan of the truth bomb. And, you know, sometimes I think people just need a little bit of a truth bomb to kind of crack themselves out of their little bubble. I mean, nothing is more jarring than a dose of reality right in your face. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's how it's presented, of course. I mean, it needs to be done tactfully, but at the end of the day, if there is a relationship that's not working, it's not benefiting either side, right? Right. Business is business. Um, and certainly looking at cost per lead. I mean, besides, you know, that really analyze your cost per lead and know what what is a benchmark that you should be shooting for. Are you are you exceeding that? That's awesome. Are you well under that? Um, if you're not meeting that goal or you're spending more than you should per lead, then I think that's another thing to, to really watch out for. Okay. All right. That's what Good. I thought. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's good. No, that's really good information. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's to the point and what else can you ask for? All right, Sean, Una mas uh -oh. for you. This one says, <laughs> This one says, Buenos dias, Cosmic Soup. I am at a, I'm at a life plan community in Arizona and must remain anonymous. Uh -oh. However, my, oh, yeah, uh-oh. All right. Uh -oh. this ain't we'll do our best. <laughs> However, <laughs> my question is this. I feel like I have a meeting almost on a monthly basis with my food contractor over some sort of quality concerns, and yet they seem to keep popping up. What should I do? I don't want to alienate them, and yet my residents are just not satisfied. 
<laughs> signed incognito in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, you know, speaking of truth bombs, I'm going to let one out the, the, the plane doors. Here we go. Um, you have to separate it. You have to separate them. Well, the listener said they don't want to uh, make them feel alienated. Well, that's okay if you do, because we have, you know, the hundreds of residents to feed three times a day, and we have to do it properly. Um, and so as far as, uh, you know, holding them accountable, um, they have a contract. And what I usually do when I uh, am asked to go out and kind of just do an evaluation of their food contractor, um, I'll look at the contract weeks before I go out and just dive into it. Uh, I used to write them back in the day. I used to be that guy way back when. Um, so I know how the whole program works. Um, and it, there are clauses in there that have quality uh, and they have staffing and things like that. And if they're not held up, then you write a letter and just say, look, that we are, you are not giving us what we signed up for. And that's very common. Um, and then put them on notice and say, look, if, if things aren't starting to get better, then, you know, your, I guess your choices are you can leave, um, you can go to a different food contractor, or you can do in-house and just do it yourself, which I'm, you know, a huge proponent of that because I, I you, you have uh, less costs, better food quality. But as far as doing something about it, um, again, you know, we can go back to the Excel uh, spreadsheet and you can look up when you look at that contract and dive into it. Uh, if you don't understand it, find somebody that can help you with it. But you'll see in there that it is costing you uh, a lot of money to have a food contractor. The ones that I have been dealing with uh, nationwide are running around 100 grand a year. That is just for their fee to serve bad food and bad service. So when you look at that, um, it you know you can get financial support too. I think from the CFOs and from from the folks that you need to get support from, and really look at it and go, is this is this really worth the money? Because if you're constantly having those problems and you can't fix them, it is frustrating. And you do need to rattle the cage and you, you do need to say, look, you know, I will alienate you if this doesn't get fixed, because what's the end? What, what do we, when we show up for work every day, you know, as culinarians, what's our goal at the end of the day? We got to feed hundreds of people three times a day, really good food and really safe food with dignity, uh, almost said injustice for all, but, you know, it sounds like I'm quoting. Um, but it, we have responsibilities to take care of the residents that are paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a month, and they were promised a good, healthy food program. And if they're not getting it, then that's shame on the community. That's not shame. That's, that's, there's no one else really to blame, and that's a truth bomb that we you, you are going to have to face at some point. The, uh, you know, when's enough enough? And if if the residents are complaining and you see weight loss uh, with some of the, the the skilled or memory or assisted living, people aren't eating, um, a lot of food just thrown out. It's it's to the benefit of the resident, and that's what they signed up for. 
and that's what we're paid to do is to make them, you know. So our our uh, goal isn't to the food contractor, it's to the residents. Cynthia, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I just want to chime With in. With a heavy um, sigh, she wants to add to it. It's a heavy topic because it happens a lot. But, um, you know, it's weird because we all know what good food tastes like. We're humans. We're all humans. We know what good food tastes I like. like. We, we know when food is fresh. It's pretty black and white. It's either yes or no. Is it fresh or is it not fresh? Amen. Um, and I would say, I'm here's <clears throat> with COVID 19, um, you know, one of the, the ways that the virus affects the human body is it creates inflammation and our immune systems need to kick in and help us to fight that virus and the best way to have one of the best ways to have a strong immune system is to eat healthy foods and that that includes fresh greens fresh vegetables quality protein um it does not mean processed foods that come out of the freezer and get baked and make you feel thirsty or tired to eat them, foods that are laden with sugar. Um, and I have to say, you know, my mother lives in an assisted living community, which shall not be named because it's very, very nice. However, every night when we're talking now with the COVID situation, I always ask her like, okay, what was for dinner tonight? And it's, it's shocking, like what she gets to eat. And I'm a consumer, I'm in this business and yet I hesitate to beat a squeaky wheel every week. I can't. I can't talk about it every month either, but um, you better believe if there was a comparable community in her town, she would be moved like immediately. But wow. I don't have that. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's the other thing too. I, I might be going off the road here a little bit on topic, but I, th I think it warrants that we, we talk about it. And that is, you know, with marketing, if you're spending all of, you know, all of the, the funds that you have for that year on marketing and you're not marketing culinary, um, I think it's, it's, it's a, uh, a road you really don't want to go down. I think you're losing some, some horsepower there because just like Cynthia just said, you are going to lose people. She's going to take her mom out of there. Now, that's in a small area. I know where she's at. It's in a small, you know, rural area. So there's not a lot of choices. But you get outside the rural area and you've got a lot of choices out there. And if people are jumping ship over the food, then that's something you definitely need to start marketing, especially if you're doing a good job and you are bringing in the food, as Cynthia was saying, that's healthy and fresh and you don't have outside food contractors that, that aren't uh, – you know, standing up to what they said they would do, uh, it's a financial loss. I mean, there's just there's so much to the culinary world, and it's such a hot topic right now, especially with COVID nineteen. Um, that yeah, you, you I, always, I always tell Cynthia that's how you know her and I got together. Is I would always see her come in and and market and rebrand, and off they went, and it was amazing. And uh, that's you know that's the key. If you market, you should be marketing culinary. And if you're not proud to do it, that's okay. That's a, that's a good red flag. Then that's a conversation let's have to yeah. when you have with your superiors. Hey, if we're not proud enough to market this as one of the better communities in our area, then we need to talk. We need to go, why? Why is that? And do something about it. 
I also want to bring something up, Sean, that, that became a recent call out for another community that, that you went into to do a consultation for that was a very similar issue that they were questioning whether or not there were actual true quality issues. And one very simple tool kind of, I guess, sealed the nail in that coffin, which is pictures, right? Oh my if gosh. You, if you are, you know, bringing up these things time and time and time again, and people just think that you're a talking head. Well, the second you start to show them physical documentation, that isn't just somebody writing something on paper that you can question the source. This is a picture of your walk-in with rotten food. This is a picture of the plates you're putting out. This is a picture of, you know, these employees doing X, Y, and Z they shouldn't be doing. And this is a picture of, you know, how long this food is sitting here for. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if nothing else is working and you've got your last ditch effort, start taking some pictures. And, you know, that way you've got something that you're armed with that says, hey, listen, I'm not making this up, you know. Uh, they, Mike, I'm just so glad you you brought that up because that is that's very important. And when I go in and do my evals, and I come, I take pictures of everything, everything, and and I date them. And you know, with technology on my iPhone, it's got the the time stamped on it. But anyway, um, I took some pictures to the president of this very big community, and they were so shocked that there was so much grease. It was a fire hazard. I said, I'm surprised that you your kitchen isn't on fire right now. It was ridiculously dirty, food all over the place. He got out of his office, walked down with me into the kitchen, and looked around and went, my God, you know, I've never actually went and walked through the cook's line before. What the hell is going on? I mean, literally, what the hell is going on? It was, um, he was just overwhelmed. And and that was just one area that I, that I was looking at. So, yeah, pictures tell a thousand things. Yes, Cynthia. Well, I would like to chime in on that because going answering this question too, I think that executives or directors, anybody could feel really empowered. Like get a thermometer, pop in, you know, pop I love it. thermometer, take some temps on stuff just spontaneously. And that's easy to do. And, it, and it, uh, it's a really good clue as to what's going on. I just bought a, a thermometer. They're they're super cheap. Well, it's not a thermometer. It's, it's a laser thermometer, I guess. Um, and it tempts the, the top temperature of the food, and it's just a laser beam. Super cool. So, I mean, if you don't want to walk around and shove a, a needle into the food, you can walk by any any piece of food and shine it on an, a chicken on a counter top. How long has it been there? So you can walk by and go, boop, and the laser reads it instantly. And... It'll, and it's all LED. It's the coolest thing. It's been out about three, four years now. And you can say, why is the chicken at 74 degrees? It's 74 degrees on the surface. What is going on? You can go on your cook's line and go down where the rice is at and the steak is at and just start shooting it with a laser and it'll tell you what the surface temp is. Amazing just don't shoot tool. Sean with it because it'll just it'll blow up. It'll be so hot that it'll just explode in your hand. What does the laser like, Sean? laser sound like what's it sound what, like what did the laser sound like sean oh it was like um <laughs> it doesn't make a sound oh my god but if it did if you, okay listen if i would walk really, in i'd be playing the star wars soundtrack as i walk into a kitchen with my laser thermometer it'd be oh so god. awesome and then every time i walk by it 
I would just play like I would do it. I would play the soundtrack. It'd be and then when I yeah. when I enter the room, it would be like the Darth Vader. Oh my god! And then it'd be like this. It'd be like Luke. Why is your chicken breast at eighty-four degrees, Luke? Put it in the cooler. Don't Use... serve that chicken. It will kill your father. Use the walk-in, Luke. Use the walk-in. For God's uh, I've given you this gold. Amazing. Amazing. And then we can so... go Star Trek. Damn it, Jim. I'm a chef, not a magician. Just kidding. That was really bad. Oh. But yeah, right, and they're like 70 out, bucks on Amazon. They're $70. Yeah, well, well, and... well worth the investment. And it's now, an instant an instant telltale sign well and here's another thing i just thought of with covid i mean it's kind of fun because I, I was practicing when i first got it and i was you know shot my wife on the forehead see how hot her forehead was or her arm it'll tell you the surface yeah this was a laser bomb. it will tell you the surface of someone's skin so i mean you literally could go by and go hey do you have a fever Beep. i mean not that you would want it but you could i'm just saying but yeah it's an awesome tool for for executives that don't want to walk around and clean a uh a digital or a, a metal, you know, stick thermometer. Yeah. But good call out sin, you know, just, just walk through the kitchen one day with a couple of tools at your disposal, show them your serious and the thermometers and, and, and you're good to go. Do it when your chef's gone. There you go. Yeah. They love it when you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I being think a, Cynthia, being a that, chef, I know what that's like, yeah. and I didn't care cause I did the right thing. Man. Yeah. So I think though that that's a great segue into another question regarding, uh, freshness and vegetables and food and things like that. So Cynthia, you wanted to kind of uh, rattle off that one. Well, yes, this is a question for Mike. And here's how it goes. Hello there, Cosmic Soup. Surprise, I'm actually a resident. That's so awesome. That oh my gosh, right. I'm actually a resident who lives in an upscale retirement community in Florida. I'm writing to you about the vegetables or lack of at my community. The community is beautiful. It has wonderful amenities and I love it. And yet I cannot seem to get fresh vegetables here. I'm looking for advice I can take to the resident council. Signed, the unjolly green giant. <laughs> there. Nice. Well, there, there's a lot going on with that statement and First off, I'm just going to say that it blows my mind when the perception is that you can't get vegetables. So right off the bat, I'm just going to call BS on that because it's just not true. There's two really two main reasons why you're not getting fresh vegetables, and it's not an availability thing. The first reason is that whoever's in charge of your food program probably thinks that they're saving money because they have a PPD goal that they have to hit Otherwise, their backside's on the line, and they erroneously think that they're going to save money by buying stuff that is not fresh, okay? So there's that. So it's not an availability. And then there's number two is you combine that with this next step, which is sometimes people just think that their stuff is okay, and if it's not broken, don't fix it. So the people that are in charge have been doing this so long they just feel like it's not that big of a deal. It's not important to them. Okay, so both of those reasons would be the two, the top two. I mean, there's there's many more reasons why that could be. Or I guess, and number three would be the person who's in charge probably isn't qualified to be in charge and doesn't know what to order 
or how to order or where to get it, or they're not familiar with their vendors, or they don't know how to differentiate their products. Sean, you're, you're waving at me like a madman. Like you want to add to that. I'm like, I'm like, I've got my parachute on. I'm ready to jump. Okay, here we go. So it, it takes effort. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk about that word effort. Um, you can, how much effort does it take to make a really crappy meal? Zero effort. Actually, that's not right? true. Sometimes uh, people take a lot of effort and still make it crappy. Well, that's true. Okay. You got me on that one. But if, if you're going to do good food, it takes time. I remember in chef school back at, back in the day, the Swiss chef, Swiss chef said, um, I'll never forget it. He goes, I can't make anything wonderful in under an hour. And that really stuck with me. I'm, I'm like, okay. He goes, good food takes time. And he stopped talking. And it was just like the, the whole kitchen was just quiet. And it was like, what's he going to say next? And then he just repeated it. Good food takes time. And it yeah. takes effort. And it takes caring. And yeah. it takes love. And that's why when people say, oh, you know, you, 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 my love language is through food. They've said that for, for you know, Decades, generations, and it is very true. And in, in you can actually see or, and taste love in that sense if it's done properly and not overcooked and you've taken the time to take the little back of the snow pea off so it's not all stringy in your <laughs> mouth. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes caring. And so, you know, oh, there's skill sets too. Well, you know, we could go down a bunch of other uh, avenues, like you said, there's a lot of reasons. But honestly, if I if I just had you know one one thing to throw out, it would be it it takes effort. You got to want to do it. Yeah, it, it does. Cynthia, what do you want to say about that? Um, so going back to the unjolly green giant, I feel like this is a woman. I don't know why, but um, the unjolly green giant. Um, is asking, what should I say to the resident council? Like, how does this person get some action in the vegetable department? Yes. So um, once we've identified kind of what the cause is, right, uh, what that person can do if they're not comfortable, you know, you don't want to be a, a super sleuth if you're a resident. I totally get that. But, you know, what I would, first thing I would probably say is, you know, one idea would be to approach the culinary director, or if the culinary director might be the issue, then somebody above that, but say, hey, listen, how about if we put out a survey, right? Let's let's survey the residents about what they think about these vegetables, you know? If you wanted to take it a step further, you could put on a petition. Hey, listen, I think we can get this, you know? I went to the grocery store today. It costs $2 a pound for green beans, and it costs, in the freezer section, a bag that is a 16 ounce bag of green beans is $3. It's more expensive, you know? So if you really wanted to go hardcore, you could do your own comparisons on there, you know, but really at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that you could approach your resident council with ammo wise, but surveys and petitions are a great start, you know, get people to go. A lot of times people don't want to go to those councils because they feel like their voices aren't heard and I get that. I've sat in on some of those. I've been to some of those. And yeah, sometimes the people that run these councils, maybe they're not the most, I don't know, professional listeners in the world. But if you get enough people, like if one day, let's say that you have 20 people who go to a resident council, and then the next time you have a resident council, there's 50 people there, they're going to be like, whoa, what's going on, right? 
So, you know, more voices. And then what you need to do is have every single person mirror that same sentiment. How come I have frozen carrots when I can get fresh carrots for cheaper? How come I'm having frozen potatoes when I can get I mean, frozen carrots and potatoes blows my mind. It's just, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because they're fresh and they're cheap and they're easy and they take up less storage space. So, you know, it, it's just, it's getting enough people willing to speak out. And if you're all doing it at the same time, it's different than doing it at different times because yeah, your voice can get buried in the mix um, easily if it's spread out over a month versus 50 people at one time. Yes, Cynthia. Well, I was thinking maybe, okay, last thing that would be helpful for this person is to like, just explain what is normal. Like what, what could they be having? And, um, like, you know, what, what should they aspire to? In other words, what's realistic? Yeah. What would you like to see? Make suggestions. So getting back to uh, a last couple of little quick hits that uh, residents can do to, to bring suggestions to the table is suggest maybe that they can make an event. So if you have like an event coordinator or something like that, say, hey, why don't we take a community trip down to the locals farmer's market? you know, and see what's going on at the farmer's market, okay? And that way you can get an idea for what's available locally, how much it costs, how often you can get it, okay? And then kind of related to that, you could also suggest that maybe the community can get involved in their own horticulture program, you know? And so there's a lot of residents who love to garden, who love to, you know, even some start out simple, start out small, start out with fresh herbs, you know, things that are easy to grow, cherry tomatoes or regular tomatoes or, you know, there are any number of things, squash. I mean, squash grows like a weed in my garden. It's all over the place, you know? So something that you can do that is gets the community involved. It doesn't have a tremendous amount of overhead. And then it gives you one more thing that comes down to marketability, which is, hey, check out what we're doing here on our side. We're using local and we're trying to do as much in-house as we can. And it's not going to happen at once, but you can start the conversation. And at least that way, the people that you're talking to know that you're taking this seriously. And if you bring ideas to the table, instead of just complaining about how bad things are, you're going to be more likely to at least get some kind of an acknowledgement that you're willing to be a part of the solution and not just the harbinger of the problems. Amen, my brother. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, be part of the solution. Don't. Do, you can't just complain. You have to have ideas. Yeah. yeah I like. And cool. not everybody has ideas. Not a lot of people know how to convey. But that's where your committee comes in. That's, that's what why a is for. every month there is a resident food committee on top of the, the monthly resident committee where anybody can show up that, you know, get involved with that too. Tell them, Hey, I want to be on the board of the resident food committee. It's a lot, a lot less pressure to sit in front of a committee with a bunch of people that might feel the same than going up to the ED's office by yourself, armed with a piece of paper and a complaint. And you're probably not going to get the same response as you would if you, if you had just a little bit of backing behind you. I mean, you, you, might have, you might have a tremendous ED who says, yeah, that's super awesome. You never know. But for those that don't or those that aren't at least comfortable even giving that a shot, committee is the best way to go because a committee is for you. Okay, guys, we have one more question. Uno mas. Hi, Cosmic Soup. This is for you, Cynthia. 
I am writing to settle a dispute between me and my boss. I'm a marketing director at a full continuum life plan community located in Houston, Texas. Our disagreement is around web leads and phone leads. I say that web leads are more valuable. My boss says phone leads. What's your opinion? Well, your boss is right. <gasps> Don't get a big head over this, Cynthia. Just FYI. <laughs> they tour at a higher rate. And it's more of a commitment to pick up the phone and, and talk to a person than it is to fill out a form on a website. Granted, web, for, web leads are valuable too. There's nothing wrong. Obviously, we love those. But um, definitely a telephone call is, is worth more. When, when do you decide when a web lead is the right course of action or a phone lead is the right course of action to follow up on? They're all the right course of action. In fact, if you, um, in a perfect world, um, one campaign will have leads coming in via telephone, web, social media, and business reply mail, if you believe it or not. Um, it, it is more expensive to have a business reply card on or in a mailing, but when it's all filled out, somebody will tear it off and throw it in the mail. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to find a stamp. Boom, it's done. It does lift response. It, it does cost money, but if you think about how much a lead costs, um, I think an average cost per lead can range from $250 to $450, that's one person calling you or responding, then it's worth the extra, let's say it's even, you know, $5 for the extra lead, the business reply channel. Why not? I would want that for a $250 value. Seems like pretty minimal investment for a big return, if you ask me. It's the, I love that phrase, do the math. <laughs> do the math well i'm not a smart man jenny but i know what math is <laughs> or the excels do your math do your spreadsheets if you learn anything out of this episode today you kind of have to put in a little bit of work yourself right yeah, one, more thing. one more thing to add cynthia um very quickly super exciting that we um chef sean and Mike are developing a web series. Um, I believe it's going to be out July, August. And what it's, is the web series, Cynthia? Well, it's um, how to self-operate your dining program. So if you are using a contractor now, you, you could learn how to transition to self-operation. Or let's say you are already self-operating, but you just want to get better at it. This would be the thing for you to attend so yeah i'm super stoked super super it's been years and years of developing uh the strategy and 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 now where you can finally unleash it and show people and teach people yes. and it's oh it's it's so cool it's so awesome and we are super close to bringing this to you out there in the cosmic soup and when we're ready We'll do a full-blown episode. We'll tell you all about it, what you can expect. How do you take part? How do you get in on this amazing action? Well, thank you, Cynthia, for bringing that up. Um, yeah, we're excited about that. Sean, Sean is busting his backside like, you know what, to put this program together. And I've seen it um, from its early stages, and it's going to blow all your minds. And I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean, this is some really legit in-depth stuff that answers some very, very, very common questions. 
and it will alleviate a lot of your fears from the get-go. It'll help ease your stress. It'll save you some money. It really is designed just to inform you and show you that, you know what, there are other options in the world. And when you're ready to take that step, we'll show you how to do it. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean and Cynthia, thank you so much for hanging out here again today on the Cosmic Soup. And hopefully we can do this again real soon. And I'm looking forward to answering some more listener questions. So thank you both very much. And I would like to end with a little Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. It's okay. You'll have good food. You'll have a wonderful marketing rebrand. It's so cool. Don't worry. Okay, here we come. Here we go. Be happy. Look at me. I'm happy. My community is full of people eating good food. Oh, my God. Win. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, folks. The first ever mailbag episode. Don't worry if your head's spinning a little bit. It'll soon pass. That's just the effect that Sean has on everybody. So continue to send us those questions and comments to Cosmic Soup at 3rde3rd.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with all the awesome stuff that we have coming up. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon on Cosmic Soup.